0: Good morning, our reading shall be taken from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 3 to 8. 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we do many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us, to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, Then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. For some time we've been planning uh,
1: to do this lesson, and I want to say as we begin, um, this is one that kind of has developed for me over the years uh, as I have grown up uh, in the church and experienced the many ranges of human behavior and thinking. Uh, I've had some real disillusionment and disappointment. And as we go through this, I think we may touch even some of your own memories and your own pain from things that have happened in the past. I want to go back to when Jesus first called the apostles. And we have such a... (laughs) I have an echo. We have such an idealistic view of the apostles. We think of them, you know, as being almost like Jesus, don't we? We see them as the leaders of the early church and guys who really had it all together. And, okay, let's go back to when Jesus first called them. And when he called the apostles... Is this not going to cooperate for me? Okay. He chose 12 ordinary men. They were fishermen. Tax collectors. One, Simon, is called a zealot. The best way to understand the zealots is they were the terrorists of the first century. They were engaged in a underhanded war against the Romans in Jerusalem and Palestine. They were not exactly the people that we would choose. And as we look (coughs) at the uh, apostles through the, the life of Christ, through the Gospels, we see that they were very imperfect people, just to Mention a few things we see. We see jealousy between them. We see fear. Oh, come on. Impatience. Prejudice. <laughs> I know. I... <laughs> These are the times that try men's souls, right? <laughs> Rivalry. You know, one of the things that I find really interesting is that, you know, at one point they're walking along the road, and the, the the apostles are back behind Jesus, kind of dropping off a little bit, and they're arguing. Who is the greatest among us? And they get pretty nasty about it, from what Jesus responds. You know, there's anger. In fact, Jesus dubs James and John, Sons of Thunder, Boanerges, is the Aramaic term. And what that means is Sons of Thunder. And commentators really feel like that's a recognition of the temper that these boys showed. They were very flawed. And Jesus was often disappointed with them. By the way they acted and thought. And it kind of just brings us to the idea that that what we need to keep in mind is the fact. And I've, I've appropriated an idea here. I, I took a class many years ago at Harding Grad School on church conflict. And I actually used this. I don't think it's original with me, but it really works. All right. Where two or three are gathered, and you're probably thinking about when Jesus said. This is not what Jesus said. Because when two or three people are gathered, you got to wait for the slide to go. There will be conflict. You put two or three people together normally, There's going to be disagreement. There's going to be conflict. And it's just human nature. We disagree, don't we? I mean, I can illustrate it very simply. How many people want the Bombers to win today? How many people want Saskatchewan to win today? You know. (laughs) And some people are like, what's going on? I don't want anybody to win. We have different tastes, we have different preferences, we have different ideas, we have different opinions, we have different values. And they all come flooding together in how we connect with, other, with, with one another and with other people. I never dreamed when I was young, growing up in the church, about what was going on between some of the adults in the church. When we got into to Abilene, uh, Abilene, it was Abilene Christian College. Now it's Abilene Christian University. And I spent a summer working as an intern with a church in Dallas. And I had grown up in little congregations of 40, 50 people. And I worked, was working with a congregation of over 500 And we had a full-time minister, uh, Jack Paul. We had a full-time youth minister, Bobby Squires. And I couldn't believe how much time they had to spend putting out what's called brush fires in the church. Conflicts that were going on between members of the congregation. And, you know, I've never shared this publicly, but I'll, I'll mention it. That the young people in the congregation were going over to one of the deacons' houses one Sunday evening after church. And the deacon took Bobby, the youth minister, aside, pointed to the one black teenager in the group and said, He's not coming to my house. Can you believe that? And we were stunned trying to figure out, what do you do with that kind of racism in the church? That was very disappointing to me. And I sent a letter back to Abilene, to Jimmy Jividen, who was kind of supervising us. There were four of us that were out in intern-type positions, and I said to, to him, what do I do? And he said, basically, you have to realize that you're the, you're the kid. And there's nothing you can do. And that just... So, a few years later, I started to work with a congregation in Ontario. And I had one older man in the congregation who sometimes phoned me after church... And something happened that he didn't like at church, and he would phone me, and he would berate me over the phone. And I sometimes, when I would hang up, would be in tears. Could not believe that one supposed member of the church would treat another one like that. But see, human beings... Yeah, I mean, i got news for you. We're all here. None of us are perfect. Sorry about that. You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. And at some point, one of us, all of us, may do something that disappoints, frustrates, maybe even hurts somebody else. Jesus kind of anticipated when he talked to his disciples in the Gospel of John. Remember, John was one of those that was dubbed as one of the sons of thunder because of his temper. He and his brother, when a, a Samaritan village refused to let Jesus in, James and John wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy the village. That's kind of pretty heavy, isn't it? Good thing we don't have powers like that, isn't it? But Jesus, John is known now as the apostle of love. And he is the one that recorded Jesus' command or statement that by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, this isn't the mushy, syrupy, you know, just dripping honey thing that some people want to make it. But it is, you know, when, when the Bible uses that word, love, out of the four different words that could be used, and three in the Bible, agape, it is selfless. It is giving. It's not an emotion. It's an action. It's doing the right thing for the other person. And it's basically the idea that no matter what they have done to you and no matter how you feel about them, we do the right thing for one another at all times. James asks a very interesting question: What causes fights and quarrels among you? Now, one of the things that stands out for me as I look at the New Testament, and you will you will recognize this: you read the book of Acts, you read the letters of Paul, the letters of the letter of James, John, Peter, Jude. That wherever the gospel went wherever the church was established, imperfect human beings made bad choices and did bad things, wrong things. And so James is writing to the to the to the church generally and saying fights and quarrels, I mean you? Yeah. All right, so what causes? Fights and quarrels. All right, I'm just going to pop through a list of things, you know, just suggestions here. You know, misunderstanding, disagreements, selfishness, pride, envy, jealousy, anxiety. I love the picture of the bison fighting there. Stress, pettiness, anger, blaming, confrontation, friction, arguing. I could go on. But there's no point in going further. So in Galatians uh, 5, Paul lists what he calls the works of the flesh. And this these are just the relevant ones. There's a lot more in this list. But this sounds like what we just mentioned. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, jealous ambition, dissensions, factions, envy. Well, this is basically only an echo of what we saw in that list about what the apostles did. During their early days with Jesus, before they were transformed. But Paul contrasts that with the list of what he calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. So, you're probably really thinking right now, and I hope you are, that as a Christian, our goal is to help God working in us and His Spirit working in us to develop what's on the right side and eliminate. What's on the left side? So, we read Romans 13 a minute ago, and um, I I was really struggling with a way to kind of uh, paraphrase or, or rephrase the way Paul begins this, and I realized that really what he's telling them is get your head on straight. You know, really get to thinking the way that you need to be thinking. You know, part of the problem is that we get in a situation, and and one of the words that I used in that list about what causes conflict was the word friction. And friction is what happens when things rub against each other. You know, and if you take your hands together and you rub them back and forth with pressure really, really fast, and, you know... It's what we do in January, isn't it? When our hands start to get cold, we start rubbing them together to produce heat, friction, to warm it up. Well, but friction can be a negative thing. Friction can be two people. uh, Paul writes about Euodia and Syntyche. And encourages them to agree together, because it 's kind of obviously obvious that they 're not that there 's friction between them, and it 's causing problems in the church. so get your head on straight, get rid of your pride and your ego, count. Others as better than yourself. You know, one of the big problems in terms of getting together with other people is we make assessments and value judgments about one another. And you know, and you've heard people say, I'm better than he is or she is. And that's actually a measure of childishness, of immaturity. And in the church, it's inappropriate. Think about what Paul is saying here in in Romans 13. That what we need to be doing is, or Romans 12, is to be serving one another in a spirit of love for one another's welfare and benefit. Not competing with each other, not being envious of one another. And he gives to the argument the reason why. We are fellow members of the body of Christ. You know, the word that I want to use here is the word, we are a family. We are Christ's family. And if we are members of the body or the family of Christ, we are brothers and sisters. Now, I, I know there are dysfunctional families. I know there are families where brothers and sisters don't get along, and if that's your experience, I'm sorry. But that's not the goal or the ideal for the relationship between Christians. Our relationship needs to be that we are together, and if we are members of the same body, the way Paul puts it, we're members of one another. And what I do to you, you know, we, we, we see this in the idea of marriage, don't we? We see that idea of, of the two become one flesh. And therefore, for each spouse to understand that what I do to my spouse, I'm doing to myself. Well, the same thing is true for us in the church. What I do to you is what I am doing to me and what I am doing to Christ. That's critical. Do you want to hurt Christ? Do you want to gossip about Christ? Do you want to divide Christ? Do you want to humiliate Christ? So in the body, members work and share together in love as one. We work for common purposes. You know, you think about that picture of the body. Paul gets into that writing to the first, in first Corinthians as well. Uh, what happens when the body is not working together? And the foot can't say to, to the hand, because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. I, you know, every part of the body, even the ones that don't seem to be important, are part of the body. I need to be respected and treated as such. And that's the idea that we have in mind with fellowship. Okay, let me just kind of. So, fellowship means to have or to share in common. The Greek word koinonia. To have or to share in common. We share our relationship with Jesus in common. That's, we're the body, we're the family. The Lord's Supper is an expression of that. One of the things I think is really important. You know, if you look there in in 1 Corinthians 14 where Paul is talking about the Lord's supper and and reviewing his instruction about there uh and we we get to that passage that we, that often gets quoted about uh eating and drinking for you know for c- condemnation I am persuaded that after you know working with that passage for many years but the problem at Corinth and the reason Paul is doing this is because of the division, because of the bad attitudes they have toward one another. And so if I come to the Lord's Supper with an attitude that seeks to separate myself from other members of the body or the family, God's not accepting my worship. That's why talks about the, the condemnation. Jesus died for everyone here. And as members of the, of the family of God, as the, the body of Christ, we are interconnected. And that's critical. And therefore, the Lord's Supper becomes a remembrance of what Jesus did on the cross, but also a statement of our love and unity of our, if I can use the term i 'm going to create a word bodiness. We are a body together, and that 's an expression of that. so Jesus addresses the how a little bit, and I want to touch on this uh, you know you, you think about it, and I, i've thought about, okay, think about a coin and We've got a coin toss here, and there's two sides of the coin. There's the heads, there's the tails, unless you've cheated and gotten a two-headed coin. Uh, but, you know, you flip the coin, and that's kind of a way people kind of allow chance. But really the idea is that, that the, there's two sides of things. There's two ways of coming at it. So let's just put it up here. If I wrong somebody else, Jesus addressed that in Matthew 5. Is there? If you're taking your gift to the altar and there remember that something has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. And if someone else wrongs me, go to your brother. You notice what's in common with both of those? It's very simple. Go to them. Both times, whether you are wronged or have wronged the other go to them directly personally privately if they have they have wronged you or somebody else it is not to punish them it is not to criticize them it is not to condemn them it is and the word should be used here is to be reconciled with, to make peace with. It's an expression of love for that person. Paul says that if they listen to you, you have won. You have gained your brother. You've restored that relationship. Unfortunately, what does human nature do when somebody wrongs somebody else? They go to person number three, four. Four. Five, six, right? They tell the whole world what that person did to me. That's not the way Christians behave. Christians go directly, privately, lovingly to that person. And I put this on here without condition. You know, Jesus talked about forgiving you know the translations kind of vary seven times seventy as the way we grew up with it. Think about forgiving somebody four hundred and ninety times, and I've kind of understood that basically to say that if somebody's keeping count, they're not forgiving. <laughs> I was doing some counseling with in a relationship many years ago and somebody said that this person has done something to me, you know, eight times, but I've forgiven them. And I said it's kind of stupid of me to say it this way, but I said, You've never forgave them the first time. What? You're keeping count. That's not forgiveness. There was a young girl that came on our Sunday school bus in Hamilton. And she got into a conflict situation with one of the other kids on the bus. And she said, I'm not going to forgive them until they apologize to me. And we said, well, is that what Jesus is saying? That you can make that a condition of forgiveness? Or should we... Forgive, reconcile with people, whether they deserve it or isn't that what grace is? Grace is undeserved love and forgiveness. We as God's people are ambassadors of grace. We are sharing grace with others. We are sharing grace with one another. And we are going to get in each other's way. We are going to sometimes drive each other crazy. We're going to frustrate each other. But Jesus is saying, I want you to love each other regardless. When they asked me what song I wanted to end with, and I said, Well, the one that comes to mind is How Sweet, How Heavenly. Now, uh, it's kind of funny because it's an old song. It used a little bit of old language in places. But, and I'm going to get to lead it. <laughs> uh, but I want you to really listen to the words of this song. You know, and I put the first verse up here. We're going to have the, the words in the music in just a sec. But, how sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord. In one another's peace delight, and so fulfill the word. And it goes on, when free from envy, scorn, and pride, our wishes all above is can his brother's failings hide and show a brother's love? Isn't that a wonderful way to put it? Isn't that a wonderful expression of how we can overcome conflict, overcome friction, overcome disagreements, overcome the challenges And the dissension is to show that love. Let's stand as we sing. How sweet, how heavenly is the sight when those that love the Lord in one another's peace delight.